<laughs> All right, hello, and welcome to Camp Kaiju Monster Movie Reviews. We're your hosts, Vincent Hannum and Matt Levine. And we are recording live from G-Fest, G-Fest 27 in Chicago, technically Rosemont. Indeed. At the Hyatt Regency. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Some, uh, a lot of sessions, a lot of panels, some autograph signings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been crazy. Uh, some of my favorite things were the costumes going around. Uh, we've seen a, a I got a picture with Megalon, which is really cool. I got a picture with uh, Gorgo of all monsters. Bialante even. Yeah. And Godzilla himself, which was a lot of fun. This <laughs> the smog monster. Everybody's here. Some really clever, creative costumes. Um, people have been walking by all day. It's a little later here in the afternoon. So it's things have thinned out a little bit. Um. But we're so excited to talk about Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Indeed. The this movie is kind of like the showcase for today of of G Fest. Uh Tomoko Ai, who stars in the film, yeah. uh, is here at the festival today. Um she took part in an interview. She signed some autographs. Uh later tonight at ten thirty in the Rosemont area. The film will be shown at the Pickwick Theater. So yeah, it's the movie of the moment. Yeah. And Matt and I met her, Tomoko Ai. First, we saw a panel with her this morning, sort of a Q&A situation, uh, which was just awesome to hear her talk about her experience with the film and some anecdotes, uh, some of which I'll try to share later on, either on this episode or some bonus material later on, uh, maybe next week or so. Uh, but then we went into the autograph room where we got her autograph and some pictures with her. And that was just, Matt and I were weirdly... Um, Starstruck. Starstruck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I feel like G Fest is one of the few places where, you know, like uh, people would be starstruck by Tomoko Ai. More people should know about her, but uh, it was a very, very cool moment. Right. And to be honest, um, I, I, did, I watched Terror of Mecha Godzilla earlier this week just to fami re familiarize myself with it. And I was struck by her performance. Yeah. And I'm really glad I revisited that film. So now that I met her, it just added uh, an extra weight to it. Yeah, totally agree. I also agree that her character is one of the most interesting and effective parts of the film. So it was very, very cool to meet her in person today. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with that said, let's just jump into it. Um, we can read the synopsis. Do we have any personal backstory with this film? Um, well, I'll just say that I... Uh, this was the first, my first time watching the movie and also my first time watching Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, which I watched right before this, pretty much back to back. I watched yeah. them. Um, my first time coming to both movies. Um, so yeah, totally fresh coming to these two. <laughs> which is so, actually, so I recommended Terror of Mechagodzilla to Matt and then I went, oh wait, it's a direct sequel to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. You should probably watch that one first. I'm glad I did. Yeah. 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 They're... <laughs> We'll, we'll get into our evaluations later. Um, I, I think Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla Godzilla is a little bit weirder, and maybe I like it more for that reason. But um, yeah, but yeah it's, it's a fun, fun pair of movies for sure. Cool. Um, again, I didn't see Terror of Mechagodzilla or either Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla until I was an adult <laughs> when they were available on DVD finally. 
Yeah, because they were hard to find for a while, right? They were yeah. like in the United States, or at least in like very heavily edited versions. With I think like a new prologue that was made in the United States. Oh, um, as far as I know. So, wow. um, so yeah, in its original version, it was not available for. Yeah, long. and Mecha Godzilla as a character is one of the most iconic of the Godzilla characters. So it's just great to see that kaiju in its original renditions in the 1970s. Yeah, and I'm sure it would have been a blast to see them when we when we were young as well. But yeah, um, but still fun to, to visit them now. Yeah. Uh, well, do you, do you just want to like kind of want to read the synopsis? Sure. Should I jump right in? Yeah, go for it. All right. So like Vincent said, this is a direct sequel to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. It pretty much starts right after the previous movie. Uh, Interpol agents are searching for Mechagodzilla's remains at the bottom of the Okinawan Sea in the hopes of gathering information on the robot's builders, the alien simians. Uh, if you've seen Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, they're basically an alien race who are half ape and revert to their ape form as soon as they're killed. Um, however, Interpol's submarine is attacked by a gi giant aquatic dinosaur called Titanosaurus, and the crew vanishes. So Interpol also plays a role in Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. So they're back now, and they launch an investigation into this incident with the submarine and the aquatic dinosaur. So with the help of marine biologist Akiro Ichonise, they trace Titanosaurus to a reclusive mad scientist named Shinzo Mafune, who wants to destroy mankind. While the group is visiting the scientist's old home, they meet Mafune's daughter, Katsura, played by Tomoko Ai, who claims her father is dead and that she burned his notes about Titanosaurus at his request. Unbeknownst to Interpol, the living Mafune is visited by Suda, aide to the simian leader Mughal, who is leading a project to rebuild Mechagodzilla. Mughal offers the simians services to Mafune so that their respective monsters can wipe out mankind and allow them to rebuild the world for themselves. So complicating matters, Ichinose falls in love with Katsura and unwittingly gives her Interpol's information on the simians, Mechagodzilla, and Titanosaurus, somewhat recklessly. Uh, Katsura is also revealed to be a cyborg, having undergone cybernetic surgery after she was nearly killed during one of her father's experiments as a child and implanted with Mechagodzilla's control device. This happens when she's an adult, she's implanted with that device. Additionally, an impatient Mafune releases Titanosaurus on Yokosuka without the alien's permission. While Interpol discovers the dinosaurs vulnerable to supersonic waves, Katsura destroys their supersonic wave oscillator. However, Godzilla arrives and easily defeats Titanosaurus, causing the latter to retreat. When Ichonise visits Katsura, the simians capture him and force him to watch as they unleash Mechagodzilla and Titanosaurus on Tokyo, while Interpol struggles to repair their wave oscillator and the Japanese armed forces struggle to fend off the monsters. Godzilla arrives, but is initially outmatched until Interpol distracts Titanosaurus with the repaired wave oscillator, allowing Godzilla to focus on Mechagodzilla. Interpol agents il infiltrate the alien's hideout, rescue Ichonise, and kill Mafune and many of the aliens. The remaining simians attempt to escape, but Godzilla shoots down their ships with his atomic breath. The wounded Katsura shoots herself to destroy Mechagodzilla's control device and dies in Ichonise's arms. With the robot non-functional, Godzilla tosses it into a chasm before blasting it with its atomic breath, causing it to explode and get buried. With help from Interpol, Godzilla then defeats Titanosaurus, who returns to the sea. 
the interesting bookends because the movie starts with shots of the water and with Katsura kind of uh, at the shore of the ocean. And then it ends with shots of the water as well. So there's kind of like a cycle of life sort of thing going on. Yeah, uh, some really nice shots of the water. Um, Terror of Mechagodzilla, like we said, was a direct sequel to Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, which was a surprise hit for Toho after a number of waning box office returns for the Godzilla franchise in the early 70s. So this is what was funny with the Godzilla fr franchise at this time. At every, with every release, Toho expected it to be the sort of the last Godzilla film, but it kept making just enough money for Toho to justify making one more so in this vein, they decided, you know what? Mechagodzilla proved to be moderately successful. Let's bring back the character in a direct sequel. Um, ironically, tragically, sadly, Terror of Mechagodzilla was a complete and utter bomb. It is to date the lowest grossing Godzilla film of the franchise. And also the last Godzilla film of the Showa era, right? And the yes. series would kind of be rebooted in 1984 with the return of Godzilla. Right. So um, whether or not Terror of Mechagodzilla should have been the final nail in the coffin, I don't know. But it was. <laughs> <laughs> right. It kind of feels like a, you know, a season finale of a TV show that doesn't know that it's getting canceled, but then it does get canceled. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I guess that was the end. That's all we're left with. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> in in both good and bad ways, I think. You know? Yeah. I don't know if it's totally deserved. Um, I have mixed feelings about Terror of Mechagodzilla. So yeah. uh, when we get to our breakdowns. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. Totally. Um, should we jump into the cast and crew or should we shout out uh, Bandit's Emporium? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. So Bandit's Emporium is, of course, the official T-shirt sponsor partner of Camp Kaiju. Uh, you can get all sorts of monster-inspired T-shirts at banditsemporium.com. Uh, so check that out. Any shirt you buy, the pro uh, part of the proceeds do go back to supporting Matt and I and Camp Kaiju. So we really uh, appreciate that and appreciate your support. So thanks, everybody. Banditsemporium.com. As they say, we sell shirts. As Camp Kaiju says... We're live, baby. G-Fest. <laughs> Our new slogan, even when we're not live from G-Fest, we're going to say that every time. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not true. <laughs> All right. Uh, who was who in this movie? Uh, of course, we already talked about Tomoko Ai. This was one of her earlier roles. She was very young when she starred in this movie as Katsura. Um, the movie also stars Katsuhiko Sasaki as Akira Ichinose. Uh, and uh, somebody that Godzilla fans would recognize, Akihiko Hirata, as Dr. Shinzo Mafune, who plays kind of the mad scientist character who, um, you know, wants to get back at humanity for being spurned and his research ignored for so many years. Uh, Godzilla fans will probably recognize him as one of the scientists from the original Godzilla uh, about 20 years earlier in 1954. Yeah, so that was, did Toho know this would be the last one? Maybe not. But they were kind of hedging their bets. They brought him back uh, and they brought back Ishiro Honda to direct uh, this Godzilla movie after Honda had been away for several installments. Uh, did they bring him out of retirement? Was he like retired, retired? Um, 
let me look into that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I think he had kind of like retired from the Godzilla franchise, but was still making other movies. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, like in 72, he made Mirror Man. Uh, in 70, he made Space Amoeba. Um, so he was making other movies, including other kaiju and monster movies, just not for the Godzilla series. Got it. Uh, have you ever heard of Space Amoeba before? I heard of it today for the first time in one of the panels that I went to earlier. Really? And I, I know nothing but the title, but it sounds awesome. What so, did they say about it? Nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think actually Tomoko, I brought it up um, because somebody that she knew, and I don't think she was talking about Ishiro Honda, was also involved in the making of that movie. I'm sorry, I don't really know more about... No, that's okay. Uh, Space Amoeba, I think, is one of the worst kaiju movies I've ever seen. Wow, okay. It, 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 to those who love Space Amoeba, it has its moments. I could see why it's near and dear to many people's hearts. Uh, it's just not one of Honda's best works and subsequently falls flat for me. Yeah. But I think it'd be a great movie to bring to the podcast at some point. I would love to, especially with a title like that. I mean, it's hard to live up to that, I guess. It's, it doesn't live up to it, but it, <laughs> <Yeah>. it tries. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's good, I guess. That's all it can do. <laughs> all right. Bahanda is back for this film, as is Akira Ifukube with the score. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cracker Jack team, really. Yeah, I also wanted to mention the screenwriter, Yukiko Takayama, who is the to date the only woman to have written a screenplay for a Godzilla film. I think as far as I know, she had entered a contest, kind of a public contest to pitch story ideas for the next Godzilla film. Her idea won. Her screenplay was revised quite a bit by Ashiro Honda, but she was involved in the revision process and, um, you know, was like played a role in the making of the film throughout the entire production. That's great. Um, I did read that Honda actually he really appreciated having that woman's perspective on on a on a genre that leans very heavily male. Uh, so yeah, and I and I think I personally like the story of Terra Godzilla. Yeah, whether it's executed well is another story. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, but I do like the direction and the tone of this film for the most part. Yeah, totally agree. I think if it went more into the character of Katsura, it would have been more successful in that central plot. Uh, of course, you know, with the Godzilla movie, a lot of people are here to see the monster fight, so that would have been difficult to do yeah. to spend more time on that character. Uh, but the core is a good idea. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, what do we get to usually after this? Good question. Production? Well, there's the production backstory. I guess you already talked a little bit about that, just how Toho had been not making a lot of money with their Godzilla films. Uh, the previous one, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, did well. Um, I think, you know, I bring that up because they're sort of dire financial straits. You can kind of see, I think, in the making of this movie. I think the production values are not as high as they were in the 60s. Um, yep. And I think the film does suffer for that a little bit. Yep. Um, that was something I did notice because we just watched Ghidra, the three-headed yeah. monster. And the cityscapes in particular in Ghidra are so detailed. Like every building has, like you could see each individual window almost, like in the little yeah. trees. And it's really detailed. Sorry, everybody. A woman dressed as Mothra has appeared behind Matt. Hmm. Um, let's see if I can just some really great costumes. Yeah. If you could see it, there it is, Matt. There she is. Barely visible there. Yeah. The queen cool. has entered. <laughs> um, so anyways, the cityscapes, meanwhile, in terror of Mechagodzilla were rather bland. I thought they weren't cardboard, but 
it 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 wasn't as uh, detailed. Yeah, as I'd seen it in the '60s. Right, and and I think like a lot of times the fights don't even happen in the city or like the destruction scenes. You know, a lot of the time they're kind of like out in the country or like yep. in the water. Um, so like the it, the scope of it doesn't hit you quite as hard as in some of the city destruction scenes. That we've right, seen. and when you get to the 1970s films, uh, that is a com. All the all the fights take place for by and large in the countryside. Hmm. Where they didn't have to spend money on the models. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. I guess another thing we should mention about the cast and crew, um, the, the former visual effects designer, special effects designer, A.G. Tsuburaya, did not do the special effects for this movie. He died in 1970. Right. So the special effects for Terror of Mechagodzilla were... Uh, I apologize. Let me find his name here. <laughs> um, Sorry, I got Mothra's look at, walking around. I got, we, saw, we saw a pig earlier. That was wild. Not like a kaiju pig, like a real pot-bellied pig. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A a strange beast of its own, one might say. (laughs) Um, So I I found his name. Sorry. The special effects are by Teriyoshi Nakano. And, uh, you know, not to put it on him necessarily. Again, I think, like, the lack of funds and the lack of resources were a big issue. But, but yeah, they're just not at the same level as they were in previous movies. Right. Um, Totally agree. I mean, they're still fun in their own way, certainly. And I think Mechagodzilla is so memorable, thanks in part to the arsenal, the walking arsenal he is. Just anything that can shoot bullets or lasers is on him. (laughs) Fingers, his nose, I think, shoots things at one point. Yeah. I mean, like his rainbow lasers yeah. are my favorite part. It's just such a cool effect. So bright and colorful, obviously. It's like literally rainbows that come out yeah. of his eyes. His kneecaps open up, shoot <laughs> yeah. lasers. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that part is awesome. And like, you know, the climactic fight between Mechagodzilla, Godzilla, and Titanosaurus is really awesome. Like that's the part of the movie where you're like, okay, they must have saved like all of their time and money for this right. scene. It looks pretty great. There's a lot of uh, pyrotechnics, and it's very mm-hmm. exciting. Uh, the rest of the film, maybe not so much. And so earlier when I mentioned Godzilla versus Megalon, how you got to slog through the human story to get to the epic kaiju battle at the end, this is kind of along those, those same lines where uh, the Mechagodzilla stories are not as dull, I feel, as the Megalon story. But still, the fight is where your money is where your money's worth goes. Yeah. And they nail it, I, I think. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. The movie picks up in the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. We'll we'll get to we'll our get to critiques that. later. Yeah, perhaps. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, themes? Should we talk about the themes of the movie? Oh, sure. Um, I don't know if there are a lot of them in this case. <laughs> like, maybe not to the extent, that, you know, like one of the reasons we love Godzilla so much, the series, is because... It's such a powerful allegory for nuclear destruction and global politics and things like that. Um, I don't think that I don't think that this movie really like attempts to do a similar kind of allegory to the same extent. Yeah, there's kind of just like a broad reference to like the pollution that humans cause, which is kind of why the aliens want to take over the planet in the first place. Mm -hmm. They think that the planet's being wasted by humans, basically, and they want to occupy it themselves. But aside from that, there's not really a strong level of thematic insight i would say i feel like with terror of mechagodzilla your themes are going to come from the humans more than the monsters Mm -hmm. which i think is different than other godzilla movies yeah the monsters are kind of just vessels for combat like they're just there for the action 
but a lot of the story invests in the character, the human character. So Dr. Mifune, he is his whole motive is this vengeance on the world who disbelieved his his own science and his own intellect. So he's been burned by that, burned by society. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something there to that. Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. And you know, he he kind of says at one point in the movie that the reason that he wants to take vengeance against humanity is because his wife, Katsura's mother, was, you know, she died. And it, there's not really a specific reason that's given, but they, she went through years of poverty and hardship because of the ostracism that Dr. Mufune faced. So there is that element of, you know, a, a scientist kind of ahead of his time and not being respected. And yeah, yeah, there's something there for sure. So just, just be nice to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's the moral of the story. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh, yeah. And also the, the fact that I don't know if we really talked about this in the plot, but Dr. Mufune, like part of his um, his uh, his goal or a scheme or whatever is to like control the animal population on Earth. Mm. Uh, so there's like almost kind of a, an allegory for like bodily autonomy a little bit, because then Katsura, his daughter, who is a cyborg, like she's implanted with the chip that controls Titanosaurus. Mm. So, you know, she doesn't have her own autonomy. And there's a lot we could say about that in 2022 in the United States. Um, as, as well as like all the animals that don't have their own autonomy, Titanosaurus yeah. especially. So I'm kind of uh, arguing with my own assertion before that there's not a thematic, <laughs> in, not a lot of thematic insight here, because there is, a, yeah, there's something going on for sure. Well, that's interesting. You mentioned the body autonomy, because she is a cyborg. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, like she's not, she is created by someone else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's why I think the character is pretty effective, even though, you know, there's a lot of camp around, the, you know, her, her relationship with Ichinose. It's, it's hard to take seriously. And, yeah. you know, like, the sort of villainous plot by the, the half-ape aliens, the simians, yeah. like, um, hard to take that seriously as well. But I still think the character of Katsura is compelling for the reason that you just brought up. Yeah, like, what as a cyborg, what is her agency? Yes, I think she... I think she she gives a better performance than than maybe she should have like right in a yeah. movie like this. But I think I think bringing Honda back, just like Honda's gonna bring a gravitas to the film. He's not gonna do fluff, uh, space amoeba aside. So <laughs> <laughs> of course. So I could I I really appreciate the again the the weight he is lending these characters human characters, mostly through Katsura and her relationships. With her father, especially. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? What was I going to say? I forget. <laughs> oh, uh, so this morning when we were listening to Tokomo speak about her experiences on the film, she said that Honda gave her a direction to not smile. And she found this funny because she loves to smile, <laughs> as she told us in the room. <laughs> Everyone laughed. Um, but... But it's true. When you watch Terror of Mechagodzilla, she keeps a very straight face. And I think that that enhances the mystique around her character. And it was a wise choice on Honda's part. Yeah, I think so. She also brought up the point that, you know, the film is essentially a love story between her and Ichinose. But that love story, you know, like uh, Ichinose definitely shows emotion, but she doesn't. So you feel like maybe he loves her, but that feeling is not requited. That's the feeling that I got quite a bit. Yeah. Um, But I think you're right that that just adds to the mystery of it. Right. Like Ichinise, sometimes you got to learn when to give up. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) Oh, Uh, there's one line. I forget what it is. 
I think I may have written it down. If it's the one that I think that you're thinking of. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, well, we said this in the synopsis. Um, Katsura, when she's dying in Ichinise's arms, she says this really lovely line mm. to her. I sorry, I, I I wrote down a line that Ichinose says to her. Yeah, what well, is it? Um, you may be a cyborg, but I still love you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm glad I wrote that down. It's so beautifully. It's so beautiful yet campy at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that totally. You put it perfectly because that was going to be in my camp category. But, yeah, but it is still like the simplicity of it and kind of like the purity of it the innocence of it is kind of what makes it affecting exactly and and credit to the actor playing Yuchanese say him or Honda's direction but he delivers it very earnestly yeah he doesn't make fun of that line were he to make fun of it that line would suck absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> right and you know like that's like uh how the film like presents its idea of like the goodness of humanity. Like certainly Dr. Mofune references the terribleness, the awfulness of humanity repeatedly, but, but you know, the movie's saying like, you know, it might sound trite, but like love is the goodness of humanity, you know? Right. Whether or not you're a cyborg, you're so worthy of love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the lesson in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. I'm glad you wrote that line down. I forgot about that line. I was like, Oh, I love that line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's great. For sure. <laughs> um, um there, that, so there, yeah can I, uh, I was trying to think of this line earlier but i wrote this one down as well um one of the aliens at one point says we will cure this planet of the disease of human pollution mm. um so I, that's just a good example of how the aliens view earthlings and the sort of um uh yeah like the, the some of the themes that are present in the movie yeah i agree um and it's cool having those aliens back it's almost like they have unfinished business to do with humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Although, like, the coolest thing about those aliens in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla is the effect when they turn from, like, seemingly humans back to, like, the ape aliens that they actually are. Yeah. And a really cool, like, trippy, mind-bending effect, uh, which is not present in this movie, but that's okay. It is. It's, it's okay, but it, but it is sorely missed. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But probably a reflection of the budget, too. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there is a scene where the head alien Mughal uh, is like whipping his minions when they don't like successfully carry out a mission. So maybe that makes up for like the lack of the ape effects because that moment is really ridiculous. I'm gonna get back to that moment and I'll break down. <laughs> Good, I hope so. It's like what the hell is happening here? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> um, great. <laughs> um, any other themes that you wanted to bring up? I don't think so. I think just uh, like like you said, the the themes just of love and and family are really prevalent in this film. Yeah, yeah, and I you know in having this conversation, I do think there's a little bit of like a theme of agency and autonomy there as well. I yeah. I don't know if it's totally intentional, but I also don't think it matters all that much. Right. Yeah, but it could be there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um. So we can. I don't know. Is it time for the breakdown already? Or uh, there are some things I wanted to talk about with like the form and the aesthetic a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Duh. Um, Matt and, and I are live. It's a little uh, bit of a Wild West out here. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> going by the seat of our pants. Is yeah, that, that expression? shooting from the hip. Yeah. Both, well, shoot, shoot from the hip, I understand. Going by the seat of your pants. Where did that expression come from? That's a strange one. I don't know. Space amoeba. 
<laughs> yeah, it must be from that. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. We will we will not verify that. We're just going to throw it out there and assume yeah. that it's true. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, the, the form and the aesthetic of this movie, I think, you know, like watching it so soon after Ghidorah, which is just like, to me, a stunningly beautiful movie. Um, and if you'll indulge me, I want to see who did the cinematography for that movie. Oh, it's sure. Very, very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, go on. Um, I apologize. No, I was just going to vamp and kill time, but go for it. I found it. Um, So the cinematography in that movie is by Hajime Koizumi, and it's just like so bright and colorful and beautiful. And there is a new cinematographer for Terror of Mechagodzilla, uh, Soke Tomioka. Mm. And it's I I just feel like this is another case where you can tell that Toho is suffering from like a lack of funds, maybe a lack of time in, in filming this movie because it just does not look as good. Overall, it looks pretty bland, I would say. There's a lot of handheld shots, which to me are just like almost never as beautiful as like a well set up composition. Yeah. There's a lot of zoom lens, which I think like became a lot more common in the late 60s and 70s. And again, I just think that makes the image look kind of like fuzzy and hazy, uh, just not quite as sharp and clear. Yeah. Um, so overall, I just don't think this is a very good looking movie. It is. It's also kind of dark. Yeah. But not like in a maybe artistic way. It just seems like they could have turned the lighting up a bit more. Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> I And again, I think maybe that has to do with the time a little bit. Like, yeah. I, I feel like ideally they would have hours and hours to set up a shot or whatever. And maybe they didn't have a chance to. This with time. that said, I feel like it does fit in this. In my mind, the 70s, 70s cinema has a rather gritty feel to it in yeah. general. So maybe it was kind of in line with that. Whether yeah. or not it works is a different story. Yeah, and of course, it's totally subjective. Like, I maybe to a fault care about, like, visual beauty. And I, you know, so I, I'm this. it's lacking in this movie. But again, maybe it's partially intentional. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about the zoom shots. The more of Honda's films I watch, I realize that that's sort of a signature trick of his with uh, the camera. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you credit that to him or the cinematographer. Maybe in tandem. Yeah, in tandem, I think, probably. Yeah. I would imagine. Um, where it does work is... Uh, do you remember Godzilla's entrance? Yes. <laughs> Godzilla's in like this, uh, he's surrounded by fire or something. And Godzilla shrouded in dark fog. Yeah. His camera zooms in on his face. And then the light comes up, revealing this just mean scowl on Godzilla's face. Like yeah. he's here to kick butt. An awesome moment. Yeah. yeah, I agree. That's totally, that's a very, very cool shot. Yeah. There's a similar moment, I think, too, when Interpol is in their submarine and they're looking for a Titanosaurus underwater and they can't find him. And then suddenly he kind of like emerges from behind the, like a mountain underwater. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's like kind of a fast zoom into him there, too. Yep. It's, it's a fun moment. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of that moment, uh, there's a moment where it's Godzilla and Titanosaurus are fighting in a city. I believe it's it's Titanosaurus is the antagonist there. And the camera shifts to the right. Um, and then it reveals that Mechagodzilla had been standing behind Titanosaurus. We couldn't see it, just the, the, the angle of the camera. Yeah. It's just like moments like that where it's like a cool reveal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought those were really effective. Yeah, I remember that shot. That is really cool. And I, I think it's just kind of a perfect example of how like the kaiju fights in this movie are like worth the money. They're worth watching. They're great. They're very exciting. And everything else maybe <laughs> is, you know, it's not all bad, but like it's, it's uh, 
uh, not always compelling. It's maybe like a little mediocre at times, you know, lifeless, yeah. I would say. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I think that's all I can add to form and aesthetic. Uh, yeah, yeah, for me too, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the music by Akira Ifukube is always amazing and it's fantastic yeah. in this movie. Um, we just have to throw that in there because right. it's, it's awesome. Yeah, but, and I think, I think, uh, so for Godzilla movies from the 1970s specifically, uh, I do think actually, actually, Terror of Mechagodzilla is a cut above the rest, if only because of the creative team behind the camera. Mm. Just by default, I think that Honda's films are stronger thematically than Jun Fukuda's films. Mm. Godzilla vs. Megalon, for instance, Gigan, um, and a few others. Including this movie's predecessor, right? Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Yes, which I think is thematically less so, but I think um, <laughs> I personally enjoy Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla more than Terror of Mechagodzilla. Me too. <laughs> because I think Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla is so over the top. Yeah. It just rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the time you get around to like the, again, like the, the half ape alien creatures yeah. from, we haven't even mentioned the planet name yet. No. Uh, Black hole planet number three. How can like, you, yeah. How can you forget? That is so cool. Um, yeah. I think I prefer Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla for that reason as well. And even though like the kaiju fights in this movie are really great, I think they're maybe even better and like really brutal in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. There's a lot of blood in Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Which you're not used to seeing. But it just adds so such like a weird graphic sense of brutality. Yeah, like you uh, actually are concerned for Godzilla, which I yeah. uh, don't often feel while watching these movies. You know, he's spouting blood like a volcano. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe maybe we could have used some of that, just bits of 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 those strokes in Terror of Mechagodzilla. Yeah, yeah, I think so. There was one other thing I wanted to mention with the form and aesthetic, which is the set design. And uh, I actually think it's pretty cool in this movie. Like there are some, like some of the hidden layers, you know, that the, uh, like the aliens, you know, work their magic out of or whatever. Yeah. Almost look like they're like a James Bond supervillains, like hidden layer. Yep. Um, so it's just kind of campy and um, definitely very over the top, really ridiculous, but uh, sort of beautiful in a weird sort of, um, yeah, like, uh, like pulp genre sort of way, you know? Yeah, yeah. The Interpol aspect lends some more of that spy espionage yeah. feel. For sure, yeah. Yeah, which by this time feels a little hackneyed compared to 64's Ghidra. Yeah. But, you know, it's still interesting. Yeah, it's still fun. Yeah, who doesn't love a good spy thriller? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, the bright silver jumpsuits that all the like villainous aliens oh. wear is like... You know, a kind of a sight to behold. It was a choice. <laughs> yeah, indeed it was. <laughs> Whether for for good or for ill, it was a choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> well, I think maybe for the interest of time, we can go to our breakdowns. Yeah, the good, the bad, and the campy. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I can start. Okay. So I actually like a lot of this film. Um some of those uh, specific shots of Godzilla and Titanosaurus and Mechagodzilla 
I think are, are so memorable, instantly iconic shots. Um, I enjoy the dramatic tone of the film, the love story. I understand it can be a little dull sometimes, but overall, I appreciate a more as quote unquote serious Godzilla film, whatever that means. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think and I think Tokomo I is so good as Katsura for being the sincere, serious heart of the film. To her, her like opposite is the actor who plays her dad, Doctor Mufune. I, I love how committed he is to the mad scientist role. Yeah. He is just off the walls bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's chewing the scenery the whole time. Yeah. Great. And his, his makeup helps with that a lot too because he has like a clearly like fake, like uh, like bright gray almost like coloring to his mustache and his beard and his hair. Um, yeah, he's, he's the mad scientist, like the epitome of a mad scientist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk about him later again with my campy. Cool. Nice. Um, yeah, what would you think? Uh, for me, it basically is the kaiju fights in this movie. I think like they're very colorful. They're very exciting. I It, it kind of takes a while to get to them. And I feel like maybe a little too much of this movie is devoted to the human story, which I've heard as a criticism about some other Godzilla movies, and I think it applies to this one. Um, but the fights themselves are great, um, done with a lot of care, like you said before, with that camera movement, uh, which is, uh, yeah, very visceral, very stylish in that moment. Um, so yeah, the kaiju fights and I think Tomoko Ai's performance, those those are the two best aspects of this movie to me. Yeah, cool. Um, how about your bad? Um, I feel like in addition to what I said before about it not looking very good, like I feel like it's a little sloppy and a little haphazard at times. Like I feel like the sense of visual space is not very good. Yeah. There's a scene where somebody's getting chased off of the island and they like jump over a cliff or maybe they fall off, but you don't really know that. Mm. You're like, uh, you have no idea what's like on the other side of that cliff and the scene just cuts right away. So it's one of many examples where you're like, what is going on here and who is this character and like, where are we right now? Yeah. Um, I think like, you know, like the Interpol plot line and like a lot of the like Interpol agents are like not very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, they're kind of bland, just like men doing their duty. And they're <laughs> like, we don't really understand why there's not a lot of personality to them. Um, and I think that the like romantic plot does suffer for that. Like we care about Katsura largely because of Tomoko Ai's performance, but we don't really care about, you know, the man that loves her Ichinose. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my, my bad in a, in a nutshell. I think that's on the money. Um, I think my biggest thing for this is I don't, so I feel like Honda wanted to bring the, 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 more serious flavors back to Godzilla. However, by this point in the franchise, it had be the series had become so dependent on alien plot lines and more some of those more fantastical over the top elements, which is fine. Obviously, Honda makes it work in Ghidra, the three headed monster, yeah. and others. However, it doesn't work for me in this movie, in Terror of Mechagodzilla. I feel like when he's trying to be serious, he then has Dr. Mufune enter, who's acting like 
a crazy Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and it's like, why? <laughs> That's such a clash yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like always hate movies that are like kind of all over the place tonally, but in this case, when, yeah, you said it perfectly. Like when you have, you're trying to have this like tender love story and then you have a character like that, it prevents it from working all that well. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the aliens actually, Ooh, the, the, the head alien Mughal. Yeah. Mughal. He, I think, yeah. I think he's really good. Actually. He, uh, he has a nice presence on screen presence. Yeah. Um, but then, but then you're wearing these, these silver jumpsuits <laughs> right which it's not i don't think it's the strongest costume choice they the design team could have made yeah because they're too campy for me absolutely yeah if there it seems like there are numerous elements in this movie which should belong in separate movies but they're like thrown together into this movie. yeah 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 so that's it for me <laughs> totally fair 100 percent agree with that yeah um should we move on to the campy yeah I feel like I, I've made this mistake before where I bring up my campy stuff before we actually get to the campy right. category. So I've already said, like, the scene where the alien Mughal is whipping his minions. Yep. Maybe the best example. <laughs> and Ichinose's line, you may be a cyborg, but I still love you. Um, those are the two campiest, like, elements to me. And also just, like, more generally, whenever the aliens laugh maniacally, it's, like, totally <laughs> like a mustache-twirling yes. supervillain, like, phony laugh. It's, it's really amusing. Right. <laughs> Which is such a clash with the the sincere love story happening. Yeah. But either way, very campy when Mughal is whipping his subordinates. It's such a weirdly sexual moment <laughs> with no context. Right. Stands out <laughs> for very funny reasons. Uh, Dr. Mufune is all camp all day. And yeah, th those are what I had too. Those are the same things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know it makes it entertaining but uh yeah. but yeah like you said hard to take the love story and some of the more sincere elements all that seriously right. so yeah. i could see what honda was going for but ultimately maybe there were too many cooks in the kitchen trying other things yeah yeah, yeah. exactly i don't know uh yeah yeah <laughs> should we get to our our verdict sure okay um so I'll, i can read off the, yeah go for it you have ratings. it in front of you <laughs> I, I like this part i like reading off the, yeah um, all right, so we have, uh, it's a timeless classic. It definitely stands the test of time. Uh, there may be some antiquated moments, but overall it's great. It stands the test of time. Then we have, it may be historically significant or just fun, but it does not stand the test of time. Or last and least, it is not worth revisiting. It definitely does not stand the test of time. Ooh. Do you want to give your rating first? I'm on the fence, man. Me too. So, but I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my first choice which is there are some antiquated moments, but overall, I think there's enough here for it to stand the test of time. Especially if, like, watch um, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla first. Don't expect this to be the same bombastic, you know, cheese fest. Yeah. But if you can go into terror of Mechagodzilla expecting that difference, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think you're totally right. For for me, I'm on I'm on the fence between that 
and the next lowest or the next, the, the lower uh, rating and maybe historically significant or just fun but does not stand the test of time for me i am sorry to say i would probably go with that rating and i'm especially sorry to say it because it is kind of like the centerpiece of g-fest today um <laughs> so I, I sound a little ungrateful right now but uh everyone still follow camp kaiju we appreciate your support <laughs> yeah for all the hundreds of people that are listening right yeah. behind us yeah um <laughs> No, I, there are definitely some elements that are great. I do think it's worth watching, but for me, it does not stand the test of time. I'm probably unfairly comparing it not only to Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, but also Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, which I was just blown away by. So that's probably a little bit unfair, but for me, it, it, it's in that category. I think that's totally fair, especially because Honda has so much work in the Godzilla franchise. I mean, there are clearly films of his that are cut above the rest. Yeah. Gidra the Three-Headed Monster is a clear cut above Terror of Mechagodzilla. Yeah. Rodan, and when we get to in a couple weeks, clear cut above Terror of Mechagodzilla. Yeah. So I I I hear you 100 percent Yeah, but that's kind of a good lead-in to to Rodan in a couple weeks. I'm really excited to see that. Yeah. I have high hopes for that. I've heard great things about it. Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun. Who's joining us? Uh Frank Olson is joining us, a film critic. Um a uh, student of film, a lover of film. Uh, I know he, well, I don't want to give away too much, but he'll be joining us in a couple of weeks to talk about <laughs> Rodan. It'll be great. Great. I can't wait. I can't wait to meet him first yeah. and foremost. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, when I say film lover, he is passionate about movies. He's seen, uh, you know, way more than I, he's very knowledgeable. It'll be a great conversation. I can't wait. So everybody out there listening, thank you. Uh, stay tuned for Rodan as Kai July continues. Uh, we may even extend it into August. Uh, some Kai, Kai July August. We'll have to figure out a clever name for that one. Cogist. Cogist. <laughs> That's not a very good name. We'll think of a better. One. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think we're ready to sign off then. I think so. Farewell from G Fest. This was a lot of fun to be here today. Yeah, and we'll see you next year. Totally. Yeah, and in a couple weeks. Yeah, and in a couple weeks. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.